All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hello. You know what song I've been seeing a lot lately, Tim? What? It's the line of Hello, is it me you're looking for? That one. Lionel Richie. Remember that one? <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I don't know why I've been singing that one a lot. I don't know why. Singing that like in the car or to your kids? All day, every day. <laughs> All nice. day. And then and that one and the other one, it's like, what the world needs now. I don't know why. That's, that makes um, me think of uh, Austin Powers. That's it's from that movie too. Oh yeah, it is. It's Diane Warwick. I saw the little clip of it from SNL. It was a terrible skit. SNL sucks now. Have you noticed that? Yeah, it's been going on for years. They've just gotten too political, and they've gotten too woke, and too like into the issues. It's like just tell jokes. Like that's what you're there to do. No one wants to know your opinion on stuff. Just be funny. And they don't, they don't do it anymore. Every, every skit has to have some kind of political undertone or, or whatever. I'm just like, I don't want to, I don't want to listen to this. It's just, just make me laugh. I haven't listened and watched that show. Obviously I don't have a TV. Did you know that? At your house, you don't have a TV? Got rid of all of them. It's a lifestyle choice. But wow. even before then I didn't watch it just because I just wasn't funny anymore. And I used to be an SNL guy. I used to like, I'm not going out Saturday because I have to watch SNL. I'll, I'll catch really? you guys at 11. I catch you at 1130. That's what I used to do. So all my friends would go out and I would watch SNL because usually the skits right at the end or the skits they don't know about. Like, oh, this might work. It might not work if they're a little edgier. And I always like those ones more. So I would stay right to the bitter end, not the last music act. Cause I would take off before that. And it, it was just my thing. I would have myself a Canadian club and Coke and I would watch SNL and then I'd, catch my friends out at the uh the establishments later on after that just in time to start the fights to the parties tim the parties <laughs> yeah, the sure. fights didn't happen until 3 4 a.m you know that come on you i know, know that. that yeah i have you a lot of experience that. there you do you're a brawler it was south boston i use a southie or is it northie what is this it's it's southie north end southie and south end it's all different things south anselm i heard that's a rough area <laughs> you're just combining words now i know all right well let's get to the nitty-gritty so i was thinking yesterday just trying to brainstorm what to do for the show there's a lot of hockey talk to talk about you know there's lots of hockey action we can talk about 
And then I was just perusing some stuff and I, and I got caught on hockey fights, which I often do because we are their premier podcast. I don't know. Are we partners Tim? I don't know how it works, but they're, they're, they're associated with us. Hockeyfights.com. But we don't get any money from hockeyfights.com. I don't we know love how them and they love us. I don't know how the relationship works, but it's it's a very healthy relationship. So I, I was on their website, which everyone should do. It's great. And I just got thinking, like, gosh, who is the toughest team in the NHL right now? When you think of teams, I'm like, well, what does toughness mean? And I got to this big philosophical thought process in my head. I'm like, well, what is toughness these days? Because Back, you know, three generations ago, toughness was, you knew what toughness was. It was Gordie Howe. It was Bobby Clark. It was these guys who could punch you in the mouth. They'd go and score a goal. They were hard to play against. They were, it was just, it was tough. It was toughness defined. And then I feel like toughness nowadays has shifted where the idea of tough is not typically the, you know, the, the big bad guy who can go out there and just bully you the whole game. I'm like, well, what is tough? Is it, it's tough a guy who can go into a corner and, you know, get the puck out of a scrum. A tough is a guy who just goes around and hits everybody like an animal It's tough. Still the guy who's the toughest guy out there, you know, let's drop the gloves. Let's fight. Is that the toughest guy? What is the toughest team is the toughest team in the NHL, a team that just controls the puck the whole game and you can't catch up to them. That is that a tough team? What is toughness? So I just got thinking, well, it'd be interesting if Tim and I, the, 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 the hosts of the show, we pick our toughest team. I'm like, okay, what other kind of categories can we run down? Let's do toughest. Let's do most skilled. What does it be to be the most skilled team in the NHL? The best defensively. Who's got the brightest future? Who's got the worst future? What's the most desirable city to play in? What's the least desirable city to play in? All these categories, and we'll just do quick hits. I think it's neat to kind of just throw these you know topics out there. And this is more meant for feedback from our listeners, because I, I want to hear what you guys think, because I think I have an old school mentality for what toughness means. And I think Tim probably has a new world kind of thought process for what toughness means. I don't know. We haven't shared our answers yet, but I'm sure there's people out there who are like, well, the Toronto Maple Leafs are really tough to play against because you just can't, they're slippery. You can't catch up to them. They're just very, very skilled with the puck and you're just always chasing. And that would be tough for a player like me. So let's dig into it. I wanted to start with the, the obvious one. Let's, who is the toughest team in the NHL. And I'll go first, just because I, I think I've let the cat out of the bag with an old school mentality. Tough to me is a team that's going to grind you into the dirt. They're going to hit you in a scrum. They're going to punch you in the face. They're not going to back down for anything. They're going to come at you and they're going to keep coming at you. And for me this year, it's, it's the New York Islanders. I feel like they have built their team in a style a la the New Jersey Devils of old with the Scott Stevens, the Ken Danicos, the Randy McKay's, those type of players who are just warriors when they step on the ice. And when I look at their lineup, I didn't realize how big their defensive core is. I was just up and down. I'm like, holy moly, their decor, their average size is six foot three, 210 pounds. That's incredible. In today's age in hockey, they have obviously Pelich and Pollock. They got Mayfield, but the, obviously the, the outlier is a Daniel Char, who's 6'9", 250. He obviously ups the average, but to still to be an average height of 6'3", 210, that's a, that's a hefty, hefty back six you're putting out there. And if you're any team going up against these guys, you're like, gosh, I know I'm going to take it today. That's a side. They have two guys who are consistently in the top three in hits every single year. 
Matt Martin and Cal Cutterbuck. When you go back, um, hits have only been a record since 2005. When you go back to the inception of the hits being tallied as a part of a record, Cal Clutterbuck and Matt Martin account for eight of the top 10 all-time season hit totals all, of all time. And now this, mind you, is going back to 2005. They are one, two total when it comes to hits of all time. So they know how to hit. They know how to get in on the forecheck. They, they don't take penalties when they hit for the most part. They're very smart when they do it. And then when you want to chuck knuckles, guess what? We got Ross Johnson. We got Scott Mayfield. And we got Chara, who no one wants to tangle with just because he's so big. So they arguably have three of the top 10 toughest guys in the NHL on their team. So just based off of that and that alone, I'm not talking about, you know, all this new age stuff. They are a tough team to play against. And I know there's other teams who have tough players. The Rangers have arguably the toughest guy in Ryan Reeves, quote unquote. You know, some people think Nick Delorier is tough. Other people think Kyle McDermott or Curtis McDermott is tough. Other people think other guys are tough. Ryan Reeves has shown he is, you know, he's the top doc. So I, 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 I see that but I see team toughness in the New York Islanders. So that's my pick for the toughest team in the NHL, Tim. Agree or disagree? Uh, I mean, I mostly do agree. If I, That's a good pick. And even just as a, as a Bruins fan, like watching those guys lose to the Islanders, I think two years in a row now, it's just, it, it was a toughness that put them over the line. That, that fourth line, especially, just like the way those guys block shots and, and take hits and drop the gloves when they have to. You can just see it every single night. They don't need skill alone to beat you. So I think that is a good pick. They're also first in the league in block shots. Um, and I kind of like wrestled with this a little bit. I, I think the Golden Knights are up there for me. Um, they're pretty high in block shots. They got some tough guys too. Obviously, quite not as not quite as tough with with Reeves playing in New York now, which I think is another tough team. But I'm actually going to go with the Minnesota Wild, and, and I yeah, and I think they're tough for a few different reasons. Like one, they've surprised you. Their offensive up and down the lineup is is surprising to some people. So they're tough to play against in that sense. Um, they're top five. I think they're one, they might be the only team that's top five in goals for and top five in goals against. Um, which I think is a good indicator of how hard you ought to play against. The third in goals for or shots for, I mean, sorry, shots for, and gosh, where are they? Third, fourth in shots against. So I think they're just in, in terms of lowest. So yeah, they're they're a tough team to play against. They don't need any one person to 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 beat you every single night, and they're up there in fights too. I mean, we've seen Marcus Foligno. I think he's got two fights already this year, and he'll tango with anybody. So I, I think probably your pick for the Islanders. Is, Probably that I would agree they're the toughest team in the league, but I think the Wild's right behind them. What'd you think of Marcus Foligno's attempted Superman punch versus Brendan Dillon this year? I loved it. It was great. He did get him in the neck a little bit. I like I saw it. I was like, Moose, what are you doing? It's it's really creative. The only thing is if you miss and you don't connect, you're completely off balance. And the other guy could just grab you and just right down Main Street. So it's a very, it's an effective punch, but you really need to make sure. So if Marcus misses his neck and he punches through him, you're done. You're absolutely done. Dylan grabs you and he's going to ragdoll you. So you better hope your aim is on. But the, I, I liked it too. I, I think it's it's creative. If you connect Kevin BX a moment, it's just like a walk-off Superman punch. There's not many walk-off punches in hockey fights anymore. It's epic. It's absolutely hey, Anyone ever try that with you? You'd have Superman to jump punch? up. It's <laughs> it, it's hard to fight me because I'm tall. If you punch stuff, if you have ever gone to one of those circuses or whatever, the, the carnivals where you have that punching, Dave and Buster sing where you punch it, try punching up. It You lose so much more steam when you're punching up. 
you're more apt to gain more power when you're punching down because that's the way your body's set up to kind of downwards with your shoulders. So that was an advantage of being tall. So guys would have to punch up to hit me and they would lose some of their steam. Mind you, I did get nailed by Josh, Justin Johnson, who was tiny. And so maybe that just throws that idea out the window, but I've always thought that punching up is harder than punching down. So if you want to try to Superman punch me, go for it. I remember I got, I won't talk about that one. All right. Moving on the most skilled team in the NHL, much like toughness. What does it mean to be skilled? You can just stick out of the puck insanely. Well, you know, you're, you're just crazy creative. Cause I remember, remember, um, Detlef shrimp or Robbie shrimp, yep. probably the most skilled player with the puck of all time. Absolutely insane. Didn't translate to the real game, but when you're just talking straight skill, Robbie shrimp, and you can ask all the players who played with them, all the players who played against them, the guy was a magician with the puck, but then you all of a sudden put him in a game situation. Things get a little bit faster. You're getting checked. Things happen. So it, he's not the same guy in practice that he is in the game. So what is skill? What, what, what does it mean to be the most skilled team? I, there's a lot of teams that have a lot of good players, like a lot of teams. I, I, I was just going through everyone's roster. I was like, wow, there's a lot of good teams. The Oilers are up there. The Leafs are up there. Colorado has a ton of skill. Vegas has a ton of skill. Carolina's right there. The Rangers, the Tampa Bay Lightning. All of these teams, I could see taking the top spot as far as you know skill factor. But when I was, and I'm strictly talking about this year. Right. We're not talking about years past. We, we can't just say, oh, Anaheim's got a good team because Getzlaff was good 10 years ago. No. Yep. I'm going to take the Edmonton Oilers. And this is why. They have the two best players in the NHL. This is, this is a no-brainer. But you can say, well, Toronto has the overall better forward group. And I agree with you with Tavares, Nylander, Marler, Marner, Matthews. I think if you were taking your top four forwards, Toronto beats anybody in the NHL. They have the best four. But when you look at Edmonton, it's not far behind. They got Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Pulviari is having a really good year. He's kind of rounding into that player they thought he was when they drafted him a million years ago. And he went to Finland. He came back. There was unrest. He wanted to be traded. No, we're not going to trade you this and that. They bring in Zach Hyman, who's a different kind of skilled. He gives them some skill up and down the ice to get the puck out of the corners and to facilitate the speed and skill that Dryan Seidel and McDavid have. And then you have Tyson Berry. And I think this is where Edmonton put them over the top. I think Tyson Berry is a better offensive player than Morgan Riley. And I was wrestling back and forth between Edmonton and Toronto, Edmonton, Toronto. Tyson Berry was the X factor where he, I think he's better with the puck than Morgan Riley. And that's why I put Edmonton over the top. And not to mention, they have the two best players in the whole world. So that, that definitely helps them. But I could see anybody making an argument from any one of those teams that I just mentioned. They all are stacked. Vegas, I think, has the most overall talent from top to bottom. Now that they've added Jack Eichel, like they have the most players that are skilled. They got Carlson, Marcia Stowe, Eichel, Stone, Pacioretty, Theodore, Peter Angelo. They, they have a lot of guys, but just overall high-end skill. I don't know how you can not think the Edmonton Oilers are the most skilled team in the league. Uh, yeah, again, can't go wrong there. I'm going to go with Colorado, um, which is not one of the teams that you just really, you mentioned them, but I mentioned Colorado. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think they're just, I mean, obviously unbelievable McKinnon. You could say, who does he a top three, top five player in the league, whatever number you want to attach to that. Not 12. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's not, he's, he's no Troy Terry. Um, but yeah, I think he, no, it was Isaac Lundstrom. <laughs> 
I talked to him last night. He's doing good. He's doing good. He got in a fight last night or he got decked last night or something. Hockey fights posted a clip of him. He gets Um, in on the forecheck. He definitely does. No worries there. Okay. Yeah. I just, you you talk about lines in the NHL. The Colorado has arguably the top best line, if not, you know, certainly a top three line with Landeskog and McKinnon and Rantanen. And the, the talent up and down the lineup is so good. And McCarr is, he might be the best defenseman in the league right now. Yeah. And they got guys on every line who can score. It's just it's, it, every year they do it. Bowen Byron's breaking out in real time right now. They're, they're making uh, Sam Gerrard disposable now. Like he's on the trade block because of what Bowen Byron's doing. And they dropped really well. Right. And then uh, Darcy Kemper is, I think, is just such a good, good goalie that he's been on bad teams for a lot of his career. But you look at his stats, he's always been, he's always done really well. He's been a Vezina candidate before. So, um, yeah, I, I if I had to pick the one team with with all the talent, I would pick these guys. I agree. I I do think that after that first line, there's there's a pretty big drop off to the second line of Kadri, Burakovsky, and Nish, Nish, Nishushkin. I, I think there's a pretty big drop off. Whereas the other teams, when you look at Edmonton or Toronto, they have a pretty solid first and second line. When you look at Edmonton, they got Hyman, McDavid, Polviari, then. RNG, Dryan Seinel, and Yamamoto. Like, that's a pretty good one two line, you know? And then when you look at Toronto, they're the same way. They got uh, Bunting, Matthews, and Nylander, and Richie, Kerfoot, and Marner, but then Tavares isn't in there, and you throw him in the mix. And it's a pretty good top two lines. But I agree. Colorado is very good. And for those of you listening, I got to pick the teams first, and then Tim got the leftovers. So he probably wanted to pick Edmonton or he might've wanted to pick the Islanders, but we wanted to make this interesting. So we just made sure we didn't overlap because we did a show a few months ago where we overlapped and it just, it just didn't feel right to where I would pick a team. You're like, yes, exactly. That was my pick. Or you pick a player and be like, yeah, that's my pick. The so, bold predictions were basically four out of five or the same. They were very similar. Tim's actual um, Ovechkin. He, he had Ovechkin when he's scoring 25 goals, but he let me have it for 30 goals. And now I'm getting roasted. So thank you yeah. Tim, for that. You're welcome. All right. Now let's go to defensively the best defensive team. And I think, again, this is a no brainer. And I, I, I picked the low hanging fruits. When you look at teams and you think of best defensive team, which team has had the best top six in the league for the last five years, six years, or the top three, it's been the Carolina Hurricanes. They have such an abundance of wealth on the defensive back end that they've traded away Justin Falk. They've traded away Dougie Hamilton. They've traded away um, McBean, whatever his name is, McBen, McBean. They traded away somebody else, and they still manage to trot out an unbelievable defensive core that just goes about their business. And they shut teams down. If you look at this season alone, they have allowed 21 goals in 11 games. The next closest is 25, 26 goals. And then you might say, oh, it's only four goals, but in 11 games, that's good. They're giving up less than one, two goals a game. I think that's incredible. You're going to win a lot of hockey when you're only giving up two goals a game. And not to mention, they're not sacrificing defense for offense. Usually when you think of a defensive team, you think of, okay, the Minnesota Wild of old, the New Jersey Devils of old, they they just lock it up in the neutral zone. They're going to win games 2-1. to one. They're going to win games one nothing. They're going to grind it out. No, 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 no. The Carolina Hurricanes are seventh in the NHL in goals four. They go out there. They apply pressure. The forwards back check. They have a good goaltending duel on Frederick Anderson and Antti Ranta. 
and they just go out there and they win hockey games. Rod Brindamore is a very, very good coach. He doesn't put players in positions where they're going to fail. He knows how to be systematically strong. He doesn't overextend himself. He knows when to pressure. He knows when not to pressure. And they go out and they workman style win the games. And it doesn't hurt when you got Jakob Slavin, Brady Shea, and Ian Cole, like big, big defensemen out there who are holding down the fort in the back end. And you guys still got guys who go, can make plays and Tony Delangelo. So they're just built right. They're a very, very well-rounded team. They don't have any like high-end paid defensemen like these other teams do. They don't have any guys who are going to go out and you know, make $10 million and just demand the puck and all this jazz. They quietly go out. They get decent defensemen, good defensemen, good NHL defensemen. They put them in a position to succeed. And, and they win games. Their, high, their highest salary defenseman is 5.3 in Jakob Slavin. That's, that's like a drop in the bucket if you're a defenseman on the Edmonton Oilers. Like you're the lowest paid D-man if you're on Edmonton right now, if you're Slavin. Because Edmonton just throws the Brinks truck at their defenseman. So I just like the, the Carolina Hurricanes. And they've done it, mind you, by getting rid of both of their starting goaltenders for last year. And they bring in two guys who are kind of, you know, out of sorts with their former team and a Frederick Anderson and Ansi Ranta. And all of a sudden, Freddie Anderson is in the talks for a Vesna trophy this year. Is it because he's so good or is it because the Carolina Hurricanes are just a consistently good, well-coached, defensively rounded NHL hockey team? I think it's the latter. Rod Brindamore is a heck of a good coach, Rod the Bod. And uh, there's no, like, I don't know anybody else who even touches him defensively in the, in the uh, NHL tip. Who do you think it is? <laughs> oh man, that's a tough act to follow. Let me ask you a question. How do you, do you include the goalie when you talk about best defensive team? Well, much like you included the goalie for the most skilled for whatever reason. Um, sure. I, th- I think when you talk a defensively sound team, it's it's all encompassing. It's not just a defense. It's not just a goaltender. It's not just the forwards. It's everything because everybody affects your defensive game. You can't just throw out the two best defensemen and say, all right, we're going to leave you guys alone. We're going to tell our three forwards to blow the zone and you guys just get us the puck. That's not how it works. You need five guys. You need a goaltender. So yes, you can include the goaltender team. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with the Islanders. Um they they're very defensively sound. When you when you picture them, you think of like a tight game, they're physical, not taking a lot of risk, not really I mean they're difficult to play against. And they're they're number one in the league in block shots. They are top ten in goals against per game. Uh let's see, they have just about two and a half goals per game, only six or seven teams better than them. Um, what's interesting though, and, and Sorokin's got three shutouts already this year, which I think is a big part of it. But what I found really interesting was that they're actually, they let up a ton of shots. They are six, they're letting up 34 shots a game, um, which doesn't really gel with the fact that like they, how did they, they, they lead the league in block shots, but they still let up that many shots on net. So it, I don't know if it's, it probably indicates why they're in last place in their division right now. Something's not quite clicking right in, in the Islanders, but I, I still think they're one of the best offensive teams in the league. Um, and, and they pass the eye test for sure. When you watch them play, they're just, they're so hard to play against and they, they're really tight back there. I agree. I've always thought block shots are a very misleading stat because like you said, if you're blocking so many shots, that means the other team's firing away on you. And when you're still letting 34 get through per game, that means the other team is firing at least 50 shots because they miss a lot of nets. Like if you get 34 on net, you're going to miss 12 to 15. And -hmm. if you're blocking 12 to 15 a game, that means you're giving up 65 shot attempts per game. That's horrendous. That's awful. Anything over 40 is really, really bad. 
in the NHL. You want to keep that under 40. It's, it's a shot a minute, essentially, if you're the New York Islanders. And that's not New York Islanders hockey. I'm sorry, but yes, I agree. I don't think they're the best defensive team right now. They have the tools and the toolbox to be the best defensive team for whatever reason. It isn't clicking. I blame Zach Parisi, but that's just me. I like to blame people. So we'll see when, when things start to round into form, you know, the Islanders, they, whatever's going on there. And mind you, they're not struggling. They're, they're in last place in their division, but we talked about it last episode. They have a winning record. They're four, five, four, and two. So I don't, we'll see how this happens, how it works out. But right now they're not the Islanders that we thought they were going to be. And if, and if you're talking about the best defensive team right now, I know it's hard to bet against the Hurricanes. They're, every stat falls in their favor. Freddie Anderson's top five in goals against. They're number one in goals against. They, they score a ton of goals, so they control the puck a lot, which makes defense really, really easy when you just control the puck. That was when I was with Chicago. One of the kind of things that I didn't understand, and I understood it once I started playing, was they did not want you to dump the puck unless you absolutely thought you could retrieve it. Because it was like, you're just giving up the puck. And my, I always grew up as like, okay, dump the puck in, you go and chase it. That's how you, that's how you play. That's, that's your offensive strategy. And I think a lot of NHL teams used to think that. And that has shifted to, to the point where it's like, well, why am I giving up the puck? I work so hard to get it. We, we work our tail off in the defensive zone. We, we break out, which is not easy to do these days. And then you're just going to get over the red line and dump it back and give it back to them. And so they can come in with another wave of guys. So it was when I was with Chicago where I started to learn like, okay, if it's not there, you, you bring it back, you regroup, you change your forwards, you get a new group of guys out there and you kind of attack them again. So I think that's a very common thing these days to where it helps out your defense where you're not in your zone all the time, just grinding it out. Cause there were games when we play St. Louis and we'd get out to the neutral zone. We just like survive and they would just bomb it back in and they would be on our tail and it'd just be like the worst need to be in there for like four or five minutes. It'd be absolutely horrendous, but I don't know how I got on this tangent, but it's uh the Islanders is a good pick there. Will they ever turn it around? Do you, do you see them getting out of this funk or is it just the, like we talked about this division is very hard and this is going to come down to the last month of the season to see where all these teams shake out. Because when you have eight teams that strong, only four, four of them are going to make it. What, what's going to happen to him? Who's, who's going to be the odd man out? Philadelphia is playing strong this year. I just looked at the stats for the goaltenders and I was blown away. Do you know who is leading the league in goals against average? Anderson, our friend Martin Jones from the Philadelphia Flyers. Wow, isn't that surprising? That is Blew surprising. Yeah, poor Carter Hart just can't catch a break. But anyways, moving on. So we've done the toughest, the most skilled, the best defensive team. We're going to talk about the future. Which team has the best future? And we're not talking one year from now, two years from now, three years from now. We're talking five years from now. In the, in the year 2026-27, which team has the best odds of hoisting that Stanley Cup? So that kind of throws out the, the Colorados of the world, I think, who have you know good contracts now. But McKinnon's contract's up in two years, so he's going to want you know a ton of money. So I went with, you know, you go first. I, I've been going first for the first few. I think it's nice if you get, get the stage, get your arguments out there. Yeah, uh, gosh, I, I went back and forth on a few teams because even I think a lot of teams that are elite now are still going to be elite five years from now. So you can say they still have the best future, but I think that's kind of a boring take. So I'm looking at the teams that have the biggest transformation, the teams that have the most to gain over the next five years. And to me, at the top of that list is the Ottawa Senators. 
I think they they've got a really good core. I mean, they just locked up Brady Kachuk. It's interesting because they have um, they have a lot of contracts coming up this year. I think they only have five forwards on the contract beyond this season. But there's a lot of money to play with. They they'll basically like grow with this core, with this young core, with the Kachuk and Stutzla and Shabbat, like these guys coming into their own, becoming elite players over the next couple of years. And I mean, they're they're pretty elite now, but I mean, superstar level. And then they'll have money to go and sign UFAs to bring in a, a top goalie. I'm not crazy about Murray. Um, yeah, gosh, it, this team could be really scary good. They could be the best Canadian team as soon as maybe two years from now. So it'll be interesting to see how this develops. There's a lot to get wrong. There's a lot of room to to blow this too. If they make bad signings, if they don't commit to the right guys, if they let someone walk, but if, if they do a good job with this core, this could be a really good team in five years. I agree. They're definitely on the right trajectory. The only thing that really concerns me about Ottawa is their ownership and teams that are successful. It usually starts at the top and it kind of is a trickle down effect. Eugene Melnick is an absolute just wild card. You know, he, he always manages to say the wrong thing in the worst possible time. So we will see how that shakes out. They definitely, like you said, they have good pieces in Batherson and Kachuk and Shalom Shabbat, Shabbat Shalom. Um, I'm going to go in the same kind of trajectory as you are, but I, I'm, I think this team has better pieces in place and I, I like how they're built. And I'm, I live in Michigan now, so maybe there is some hometown, you know, Jack Edwards type stuff going on here. And I hear a lot about them, but the Detroit Red Wings, Tim, they, they have positioned themselves uh, from a team with just a, a bunch of atrocious contracts three years ago, no direction. W- what are we going to do to a team that has a cornerstone defenseman? They have a young forward who people are comparing to a, a Steve Eiserman. They have a couple other good pieces to build around. They have a ton of money. And when I mean a ton of money, I mean a ton of money. They're going to have over $15 million to spend next year in free agents. Every one of their players is coming off the books, except for the guys you want to keep. Dylan Larkin, Tyler Bertuzzi, Pius Suter, Adam Ernie, and then a couple of their ELC guys in Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider. And then you got Philip Hornick. Like, that's it. Other than that, everybody else is gone. They're getting some big contracts off the book. The Nick Letty, Danny DeKaiser, Mark Stahl, Troy Stretcher, um, Robbie Fabry. It's going to be a big offseason for them. Their whole future hinges on this offseason. And the reason I'm so pumped about these guys and I'm so, you know, putting all my chips in the Detroit Red Wings basket is because they have Steve Eiserman. He has shown it in Tampa Bay. He's already shown it with the Detroit Red Wings that he knows how to manage a team. He went out, he poached Nedekevich from Carolina this year. He saw a tough situation for Carolina and he took advantage of it. He didn't overextend contracts to guys this offseason when he knew he was going to have a bad team. So he knows how to work the salary cap. For whatever reason, players want to play for him. He will get some good players this offseason. They have a brand new rink there. And I, I touched on Moritz Sider. He will have a Norris Trophy within five years. He is, he is that good of a defenseman. He doesn't get a lot of press nowadays because he's with Detroit and he's only a rookie, but he's a pretty, a pretty impressive player. And I'm not just saying that because he was on our show and he's a big, big fan of the show. He's probably listening right now. Hey, Mo, what's going on, buddy? But they also have Tyler Bertuzzi. He is, he is a really, really good player. Do you realize how good Tyler Bertuzzi is? He's so skilled. I didn't really realize until what he was doing this year. You know what I mean? Yeah, the people, goals he's scoring. 
people hear the name Bertuzzi. Oh, he's just like Todd, his uncle. Like he's, he's, he's a rough and tumble guy. He's a point per game guy. That that's what he's going to end up being his first few years. He was every other point game guy. He's got 15 points in 12 games. He is absolutely lighting it up. And the goals, like you said, are highlight reel goals. He's a solid player. You put Dylan Larkin with him. The Detroit Red Wings are scary. The reason I have them as the brightest future is solely because of Steve Weiserman, though. I thought about Arizona, who's got a million first-round draft picks this year. I thought about Buffalo, who's got a million first-round draft picks. No direction, no ownership. No. When, when is the last time either of those teams have hit on a first-round draft pick? Uh, huh. you, don't, you don't like Darlene? No. Cousins. For a first for a first overall pick? You think Cousins, Cousins he, he's going to – friend of the show – Love Dylan Cousins. Love that he's the, he's the maniac from uh, Moose Moose Jaw. Uh, Workhorse not, from Whitehorse. Whatever. Same thing. No, I like he's a good first rounder. But when you, I, I'm talking about a top ten pick, a top five pick. Yeah. I think they've swung out every single time. I just don't trust them with these first round draft picks until they can change their track record and really show some good first round production out of their picks. Or either not just trading away. If you're Arizona, you get rid of every one of your good players in the offseason. Like I can, there's a laundry list of players Buffalo has had in the first round. They've just kind of flamed out or haven't lived up to their billing. The Grigorenkos, the Zad Zadorovs, the Ristalinens, the Gergensons, the, all these players. And yes, they have Reinhardt. Did he live up to his billing as a third overall pick? I don't think so. So it, just based on their track record, Arizona's track record, I'm taking the Detroit Red Wings tip. Very exciting. Especially because they, when Detroit's good, gosh, when they were having those rivalries with Colorado, how fun was it? Hopefully they can get back to those times because most cider will stir it up. He's not, he's not one to kind of let you skate by without getting a hack on the back of your legs. Gosh, I love that kid. I love him. I'm going to try to have dinner with him. I want to go down and catch a Red Wings game soon. You know what else I want to do? When I'm down there, you know what I'll do? I think I might just call it DoorDash. It's so convenient. You can use it every, anywhere you are. When you're on the road, when you're at home, it's so convenient. You fire it up on your phone in the hotel room. Beep, boop, boop. You can put in your hotel's address, your room number. They bring it right up to your room for Pete's sake. It's unbelievable. It's such a good invention. I encourage everybody, if you haven't done it already, go to DoorDash.com or get DoorDash on your app. Fire it up. Order your food. Enter promo code GLOVESDD if you're in Canada. GLOVESDDUS if you're in the USA. Get yourself some food. You're going to get 25% off. You're going to get free delivery which is awesome. It's pretty much a free meal the first time you order it and you're going to get good food. DoorDash is a good company. I am personally friends with the owner. Just kidding. I'm not. No idea who it is, but it would be cool if I did because I love that company. Um, Use it. I don't know. Either use it or you lose it. Right, Tim? It's true. It is true. So check it out, DoorDash. Tell them we sent you. Get yourself some food. Love it. All right. Now we've done... The brightest future, Tim. We've talked about all the rosies, the 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 warm and fuzzies. Now let's let's talk about who's got the worst future five years from now. A team that maybe doesn't look so good. You know, things are maybe looking good right now, but in five years, oh boy, maybe not so good. Who do you have, Tim? Who's your pick? Well, five years is tough because there's not that many contracts that go beyond five years i mean there's there's a handful maybe i'm guessing maybe 20 contracts in the nhl that are more than five years um so there's not a lot of teams that are going to be like cap strung in five years based on the guys they have on their roster now um but when i think about a team and again like like i'm doing with the 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 best future and when i talked about who has the most to gain in the next five years i'm going to talk about who has the most to lose and i think it's the washington capitals for the same reason that we talked about 
before the season started. And I don't want, we're still getting tweets about that. It's the, the Cavs fans, are, they're so annoying. Um, but they've got so much money still in a core that's so old. I mean, Ovechkin, incredible what he's doing this year. He's still 36 years old. Is he still going to be in the league in five years? Probably. Because I could see him doing a Yager, but they're paying him nine and a half for the next five years. They've got Kuznetsov on the books for four. Um, Backstrom's still on the books. Carlson's still on the books. This is, you know, this is uh, 25, 30 million at least, probably closer to 40, all these guys. So it's a very old core. We talked about it. I don't want to beat a dead bush, but just this is the oldest core in the group. And be the dead bush. I, I don't do this on purpose. <laughs> How many sayings have I? Have I have You're I not good. Up? You're not yeah. good. Uh, yeah, Capitals worst future. I'm going to stop talking now. That's a good pick. They were obviously in the running. I did maybe wanted to go the route of Arizona and Buffalo just because I think they're going to strike out on all of their draft picks, but I'm not going to go down that road. They could, you know, strike gold. I'm going to go with one of my former teams, the San Jose Sharks. You know, just for the same reason that you did contracts, strictly contracts, they're going to still have Brent Burns, Eric Carlson, and Mark Edward Vlasic on the books in five years from now. So, pardon me, four years from now. Burnsy's contract's done in five years, but Carlson's still signed for like seven years. Vlasic's will be on the books in five years, and they don't really have any very, other than Mario Ferraro, friend of the show, they don't have any young exciting prospects who they're just going to hand the reins off of, you know, I don't think they're going to be able to re-sign Thomas hurdle. Logan Couture is locked up. He's 32 years old. He's not getting any younger and he's locked up for another eight years, six years, whatever it may be. So he'll still be around as hard as it is for me to say this in five years. Gosh, the San Jose sharks. I don't know what they're going to do. I really don't. They're, they're going to have, middle of the road draft pick this year because they're doing fairly well. So it's not like they're going to get a lottery pick, which is what they need at this point in their development. They they don't need a 15th overall pick in the first round. They need a top five pick to kind of revamp this franchise. And yes, it's a great story. Yes. You know, they're competitive right now in the Pacific division. They sit sixth, but they're only a couple points out of a playoff spot. They don't need that. They don't need to make the playoffs this year because they're not going to win the Stanley Cup. They need to be in last place. They need to get a high, high draft pick. And maybe they will, you know, scuttle. They have some injuries right now. Who knows? But in five years from now, man, I just don't see it from the San Jose Sharks. And it's solely based on the bad contracts they have. And I don't think Cooch's contract is bad. I think $8 bucks is a good spot for him. But when you look at Carlson and Vlasic, they're each making like eleven five and $7 bucks. Pickles, friend of the show, love the guy. He's not worth seven million bucks anymore. And Carlson's having a better year this year. You know, he started off playing better. He he um was was using his speed a little more, getting up in the rush. It, it, he's making eleven and a half million dollars. Eleven and a half million dollars. So I just don't see the Sharks really being anywhere near competitive in five years based off, off of those contracts. So I'm going with the San Jose Sharks. I, I, it pains me to say it, but I have to. Let me ask you a, a question on the Sharks real quick. We saw all these defensemen, obviously, in the last couple of months sign these big deals. Um, Mario Ferraro, 23 years old. He's in a contract season right now. What's a good number for him? What do you think he's going to get? Well, it's he's a 
it's difficult because as much as we, you know, we rip Bernsey and Carlson and Vlasic, they still are very good defensemen. And so maybe they shielded Ferraro a little bit because he's obviously lined up next to one of those guys every single night. And it's very easy to play defense when you look to your, I don't know what hand Ferraro is. I think he's a lefty. It's very easy when you look over there and you got Brent Burns, a perennial Norris candidate, kind of shielding you from a lot of the the stuff that happens in an NHL game. So that's it's it's tough to say what he is going to get. He doesn't put up crazy amount of points. In his first year, he had 11. In his second year, he had 17. He's only got five this year and 13. And mind you, five is a lot. I had five like my whole career. But your first pairing D-man, I think a good number for him is $4 million for five years. You know, I, I think that's fair for both team and player where he grows into a, I don't think he's a $4 million player right now. I think he's more of a $2 million player. But much like all the other players coming off their ELC contract, it gives him time to grow. And can he take the reins from these guys and be the best defenseman on that team? I don't think he can. Not yet. But, you know, he has a lot of time to grow in his game, and he has been shielded because of the the three big dogs that are ahead of him on the depth chart. So, I don't know, but anything over four, I think, is an overpayment. And obviously, Doug Wilson will be a little gun shy when it comes time to negotiate because he is just – I don't want to say he's he's really ruined the team by these contracts, but he has ruined the team with these contracts because he went for the Stanley Cup. He went all in. He pushed all, he pushed all his chips in the middle when he traded for uh, Eric Carlson. He went for it. And they didn't win. You know, they, they, they got there. They got to the dance. They couldn't finish it off. And this is where you're at. I don't think he'll make the same mistake with Mario Ferrara and offer him something outlandish. I think $4 million is a good number for him. Good number for the team. Is that something you were thinking that range? Yeah, I was thinking between four and five. So yeah, I think it's a good number. Five is too much. I think three and four is, is where he lands uh, without a doubt. I think, gosh, it's crazy Carlson got 11 and a half for that long. When you're looking at the contracts being dished out nowadays, when 10 is a big contract, he hit the jackpot when he signed his contract. No one knew about COVID. No one knew about the flat salary cap. Golly, 11 and a half. That's a big number. All right, let's, let's go on to some fun stuff. Less hockey related, more social, more, you know, going out. What, what's in the city? What's the most desirable city to play in, Tim, right now in the NHL? Well, I guess I'm not allowed to say Boston, right? So I'm going to say Las Vegas. And not for the strip, but for the, the other reason. I mean, we had Reeves on the show he, a couple of times. He talked about how much he loved that city. And he's like, people think of Vegas. They think of the strip. They think of the casinos. It's not like that at all. Like, there's this whole other part of the city that's just, like, amazing. Like, the schools, the nightlife, the the parks, like all that stuff you'd want in, in, a, in a home and a place to raise a family and all that. And he's like, it's Vegas has everything. And the weather's unbelievable. It's dry. It's hot, but it's not like it's manageable. And um, it would just be fun, I think. And I think it's a cool location. Like you're, you're close to California. You're close to the coast. You can go up in the mountains. It's yeah. I think Vegas kind of would be a really sweet city to play in. And the fans love it. You're, you're royalty there. Tim, you've been known to place a few bets on some hockey games, haven't you? Uh, I try, I try. I'm not that good, but I'm getting better at it. And it's just so fun to like you, especially now with ESPN plus, like being able to watch these games and able to like, um, be more invested and like, okay, now I'm putting a few dollars down on some games and we're, I'm using points bet, which is like the, the, the best app I've seen. Like I've seen the, there's a lot of ones out there, but 
I like points bet the most. And I'm going to start sharing like some picks. Um, or John and I will both be sharing some picks over just like who, who we like for each night. And I was looking at the games for tonight and Edmonton's playing Buffalo tonight, which could be like maybe the best team in the league against maybe the worst team in the league. Buffalo has been playing pretty well for themselves lately. I still think they're, they're going to come crashing back to earth and we've starting to see that already. Edmonton's favorite minus 180 over Buffalo. Um, and to be honest, I think they should be higher favorites than that. The odds are pretty well in your favor to, to bet for the, the the favorite. I prefer to go for the underdog when I can, but Oilers just beat a really strong Bruins team last night, even though McDavid only had one point. So you know he's due for like a four-point game. It's not an exciting bet, but it's a pretty safe play. So I'll be betting for uh, Edmonton minus 180 over Buffalo tonight. What? So what do I do if I want to place a bet 180? So I got to bet 180 bucks to win 100, Tim? Is that how it works? I believe that's how the math works. Yeah. Just checking. So check it out. Pointsbet.com. I just, I'm on their website constantly. They got a funny picture of Drew Brees on there holding up a phone. Like he's just climbing the Himalayas. So like I, I doubt Drew Brees has climbed a mountain ever in his life. Then all of a sudden spontaneously, here's my phone. I'm going to bet on some sports right now in the Himalayas. It's funny. The ads that they do. It just, it, I, I just get a kick out of it. But anyways, so your best city, Tim, is Vegas. Very, I, that surprises me. They what? would not be in my top 10. Come on, really? It would probably be in my bottom five desirable places to play. Maybe bottom 10. I don't know why. I just have no reason to go to Vegas. I, I'm not a, I enjoy gambling. I, I, I enjoy a blackjack table more than probably just as much as the next guy. But I just, I guess it's just a negative connotation with Vegas. You know, what happens in Vegas Days in Vegas, you know. It's yeah, just like, but you okay. gotta you gotta get over that. That's not it's not the, the the strip. That's not the whole city. It's a pretty big chunk of it. It's a pretty big chunk of it. So I, I was going back and forth on this. You know, do, do you take in just the the nightlife, the restaurants, the, the things to do as a hockey player? You have to kind of think of everything. And I I kept falling on no no sales tax, no state tax, and as a hockey player making millions of dollars. That's a huge factor where you decide to play if you have a chance to do that. And I just, it's either Florida or Texas. And I, I'm not a big saltwater guy. I like a freshwater lake. Uh, I don't like swimming in the ocean. I don't hate it. But I don't like it. If I'm going to pick a two, I'd, I'd pick a you know freshwater lake. So that's why I think I would pick the Dallas Stars. Strictly based off of no state tax. Um, Texas, decent weather. You know, gets a little warm in the summer. When it storms, it it storms. I lived in Houston for a few years, and there would be raindrops the size of like uh, coffee cups, Tim. Like massive, massive raindrops, like monsoon rain. But then it would stop, and you'd go about your business. Um, great restaurants in Dallas. Every time we do a rookie party, it was usually in Dallas. I think I was a part of eight of them, and I, I, I want to say four of them were in Dallas because they have great steak joints, very nice, you know, place to live. I haven't heard a bad thing from anybody who's played there. Good, good uh, rink and everything that goes along with it. So I don't know. Dallas stars. Everything's bigger in Texas, Tim. Did you know that? That's what they say. It's the lone star state. Did you know that? I did know that. I like, I like, uh, I like Texas. I do too. More than Vegas. So I'm going to take the Dallas stars. Let's, let's go on the other side. Let's turn the page to the worst city. Now, there's some obvious contenders. I'll go first. I, I'm going to just, I'm going to say it. The New Jersey Devils. Huh. I, I, I was going back and forth between New Jersey, 
Ottawa. Ottawa's got some decent restaurants, but again, it's Ottawa. It's cold. It's dark. It's, it is what it is. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And I just picked the New Jersey devils. I was thinking about the Islanders as well, but they did get the new rink. They, they have that going for them. The hotel situation in the Islanders is terrible, but I'm thinking as a visiting player, I'm talking about playing New Jersey sucks. I'm sorry. I said it. Um, around the rink is terrible. They tell you not to leave the hotel for a reason because you're, there's a good possibility you're going to get murdered if you, if you go outside at a certain time. And it's just a not a very desirable place to live. Bear, New Jersey. Anyone who lives in New Jersey, I'm sorry, but you should move. That's just me. So mine's the New Jersey Devils, Tim. I went back and forth in this because I'm like, is is the worst place to play a team where, or like a city where the fans don't really support you or you're not selling out your games? Like that would be kind of frustrating as a player. But I ended up going the other direction with that. And I picked Winnipeg strictly for the weather. I live in northern oh, Michigan. Poor Winnipeg. It's cold here. Winters last for six, seven months here. Winnipeg, I can't imagine being further north in a windy, cold city. I'm sure it's beautiful. I know the fans are, are diehards there. I'm, I know the players like playing there. It would just not be the city for me. No way. The, the players don't like playing there. Some of them do. Most of them don't. So there's that. It's, it's a nice city in the summer. I believe it. But, yeah, um, I'm good. The there. best part of Winnipeg is the airport when you're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding i love it let's do some quick hits tim speaking of winnipeg rick nash has his number retired isn't that exciting do you think that's uh, worthwhile it's hanging in the rafters of the columbus nationwide stadium rink arena um yeah he's their first one ever to be retired by the blue jackets which is pretty cool they're going to do it in the new year um against the bruins which is where he played as well which i think is cool and yeah it's when we talk about like guys being underrated or guys like people forgetting how good they were. Rick Nash is always a name that comes up. Like some of the goals he was scoring because he was big and strong. He had soft hands, he had a wicked shot. His, that, that goal he has against the uh, Arizona is what maybe my favorite goal of all time, but the inside outside, like quadruple. It was unbelievable. Oh, I love that. I I think, I think it is my favorite goal ever scored. So um, Rick Nash, good for him. Pretty cool. He was one of the players. What's that? You played against them, right? Many, many times. Yeah. And I, uh, there was one play in particular where he picked, I was playing defense at the time. He picked off a pass. I went cross ice and he was about to go all in alone, but luckily it was just offside. Like the puck was a, a hair over the line, but he picked it right out of midair. was about to, he was so incredibly good. And he had wheels for the, for the size that he was like, he was, he was a good player, a very top, top five. When he was on, he was a top five player in the NHL. He was that good. Was, was he still like in his prime when you were with Minnesota? Oh, yeah. So what was – how did you game plan against him? What was the attack on him? He was so fast, and Columbus really did use his speed so well. You just try to get a guy in front of him. They, they would make plays for him in the neutral zone where they would pass it in the middle and kick it out to Nash, and he would just be flying down the wing. And once he got beside you, you were gone because he was so big. He could just muscle himself into the, you know, into the slot and score any, any way he wanted. So they just try to keep a guy on him. Everybody had guys you'd game plan for, but it's hard to game plan against a guy who's just so incredibly good. So incredibly talented. He didn't have a cannon of a shot and he had really, really good hands as witnessed in that goal versus Arizona. So yeah, I think it's a good 
guy to retire. Like he, he really put that team on the map. He could have left a few different times, but he decided to stay good for him. Rick Nash. What number was he? 61. 61. What a number. I like that number going against the grain. Another quick hit fan tracks. Tim, we haven't talked about it much rightfully no. so because I'm one in three. It, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I'm doing it wrong for what, I don't know how I'm doing it wrong, but I am. I have some, I have some revelations and insights to share one. I'm four. No, you're one and three, but we have pretty much the same amount of points. I think you've got some tough matchups. So hang in there, John, don't give up. Don't be too hard on yourself. But, um, this guy named space rangers in first place. And, and he's got like double the points of like me, you and I basically, and looking at his roster and figuring some things out. Fantrax is obviously a newer platform for us. You, that cap limit is not the, the cap limit for guys on your roster. It's guys playing on any given day. So per game, you can have $500. Yes. Um, and, but you only still only get three transactions a week. So you can't just like drop and pick up the best players every single night, but he's got all the best players and he's figured it out and he's figured out the system. So I'm making some adjustments, slowly adding guys to my team. If you're listening and you're, and you're struggling like John is, uh, you should make some adjustments too. So you pretty much have to add every good player to fill your 30 slots. And every night you just throw them in there to eat up your 500 bucks. Well, there's still some, it's still more science to it than that. But yeah, there's, I think we were approaching it wrong when we were building our team before the season started. I will be completely transparent. I will not be doing what you're doing. I'm just going to ride with the team I have. I, I got 20 guys who fit under 500 bucks, and that's that's just who I'm rolling with. I don't have time to be addressing it every single day. That's just that's just where I'm at in my life. So yeah, I will finish. You know, with a losing record, it's fine. I'll give the winner a, a jersey. Good for them. Fantrax, it's it's a great system. I just don't got to, much so much like fantasy baseball. I can't be tinkering with it. That's why I love football so much because you just set it and forget it. Like the food dehydrator, Bronco food dehydrator. You ever, you ever get one of those, Tim? Nope. What do you do with it? You set it and forget it. It's a food <laughs> dehydrator. All right. <laughs> Troy, Troy Terry, still lighting it up. Ever heard of him? Not as good as Lundstrom, but he's got 18 points now in 13 games. Good for him. Anaheim. I tell you what. They should have been the brightest future, potentially, because they. I, I like how they're building their team. We talked about it last show. I like how Anaheim's going about their business. And who knows? Maybe not getting Jack Eichel was a blessing in disguise for all these teams, because who knows how Jack's, he's getting a surgery, I want to say, next week. So what if, what if he comes back and he's just not the same Jack Eichel and all these teams were in a bidding war for his services? But uh Good for him. Another LA team, another uh, Anaheim, another California team. <laughs> there we are. I, I, I got there eventually. Kings have won seven straight. What do you make of this, Tim? Is this is this just getting catching lightning in a bottle, or are they a real team that we got to worry about here? Well, it define, depends on what you mean by real team. But Anze Kopitar is is you know not quite lighting the world on fire, but he's got eight goals and sixteen points in fourteen games. Like this is the Anze Kopitar of old. And we talked a couple of months ago about how adding Philip Deneau opened up Kopitar offensively because he's so good defensively in the two-way play. But with that pressure taken off him and Deneau taking those matchups, Kopitar can just focus on scoring, and he's doing it really well. He's got great chemistry with the – I'm going to butcher the name. Iafalo? Iafalo? Iafalo. Iafalo. Yeah, it's just you have no idea. Um, but, yeah, they're looking really good. Drew Doughty's missed a bunch of games. He's only played four. He's got some injuries he's dealing with. 
but he put up seven points in those four games. So they're looking really good. Um, I don't know. Are they a, a playoff team? I don't know. They're getting really good goaltending. And look at Jonathan Quick. He's letting less than two goals a game. He just looks like the, a younger version of himself. Do you see this team being in a playoff spot a month from now? No, I don't. I think they, they've really taken advantage of their schedule. Their seven wins have come against Montreal, Buffalo, Buffalo. They had a good win versus the Blues, the Devils. You know, they, they had a good win versus the, the Leafs, who might have been tired. Then they get Montreal again. They just beat Ottawa. So, you know, of those seven wins, there's maybe two quality wins. So let's just, you know, take that for what it's worth. I, I, I don't think they maintain this. Yes, Kopitar is having a really bounce back season. Drew Doughty is playing great. I feel like I'm in 2000. 12 again for Pete's sake. So it, it, it's, it's a very good story. I don't see them maintaining this. I don't see this lasting a long time, but like we've talked about in the NHL in the Pacific division, that fourth slot is up for grabs. And right now they're, they're wrestling with the gosh, the Vegas golden Knights. And who do you think is going to have a better finish to Vegas golden Knights or the LA Kings? The Knights. I agree. So they they'll slide a little bit, but, Anaheim's going to slide as well. Maybe not with uh, Isaac Lundstrom. That guy is just, he's got my uh, vote for Hart Trophy. I'm telling you right now. Kid's got it. Whatever it is, he's got it. He's got it twice. So good for him. Good for the uh, teams in California. Everybody's having a good time out there. But much like everything else, they must come down to earth. Gravity always wins. So we'll see how it pans out. Any other stuff you want to talk about, Tim? No, we covered a lot today. We covered a lot. It was a nice episode. We kind of went against the grain, talked about some different stuff. We'll get back to Hockey Talk next week. Lots to talk about. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a good weekend. And, yeah, let us know what you think about the categories, who you guys think are the most skilled, the toughest, uh, all the brightest futures, all that kind of stuff. I would love to hear everyone's opinion on the issue. Just let us know when we're doing something wrong or if you have a contrasting opinion. Other than that, I hope everybody does well and has a good weekend. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.